Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. How much do you really love someone if you are able to brutally murder that person because you become upset at their refusal to follow your instructions? Suppose that person whom you are supposed to love is actually your seven-year-old son. What if the surrounding circumstances that led you to kill him is simply because he did not memorize the scripture that you had demanded that he commit to memory? Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But all these facts that I have stated are true and concern a real murder case recently in Cardiff, Wales. Just recently, I read that the judge in this unusual and sorry case sentenced the child's mother to life imprisonment with a minimum of 17 years to be served. She had been found guilty of beating her seven-year-old son to death because he would not memorize the Koran as she had asked him to. I'm not aware of all of the surrounding details, only what I heard on the television news, but it's reported that she was from a home where she was abused as a child. Implied in this fact was suggestion that this may be the reason why she had been so cruel with her own son. So what if she was abused? I find it difficult to fathom how a mother could beat her flesh and blood so seriously that he dies. She had a choice, and she chose to act out in this unbelievable manner. There can be no excuse for her cruelty, but to do such a malicious thing as came out in her trial over his not having memorized the Koran passages that she had demanded of him is really unconscionable. It defies all that is human and reasonable. The fact that it was a task that most children could do with relative ease makes the case even more unusual. But that it involved the Koran takes the case to a level that is extraordinary, I believe, beyond the pale. Certainly and surely the Koran, being the holy book for Muslims the world over, could not condone such flagrant cruelty and punishment from a mother to her son. There is a lot of confusion, I believe, over the Koran, what it teaches by people from the Western point of view. Many Muslims speak of their religion as being the religion of peace. That description could not tolerate the kind of punishment that this woman has been accused of meeting out to her own son. So let's assume then that this case was an unusual one and that the mother was not following the teaching of her religion but was acting alone outside the precepts of the Koran. Where then that, does that leave her? What does this conclusion say about her as a mother? I'm Bishop Walter Hanschel from People's Assembly Fellowship of Churches. I know about gambling. I gambled for many years. It destroys lives and families. Gambling breeds corruption and originates out of greed. Vote no on the referendum. Hi, I'm Pastor Cedric Moss from Kingdom Life Church, reminding believers everywhere of the Word of God that says, 
Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, on referendum day, vote no. Hi, I'm Alan Lee, senior pastor, teacher of Calvary Bible Church. Gambling is based on avarice, greed, and discontent. The Bible tells us that we should be content with what we have because God provides our needs. And so I encourage all Bahamians to vote no when it comes to the referendum on gambling. Hi, I'm Pastor Alfred Stewart, pastor of New Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. As a former gambler and one who understands the power of gambling addiction, I just want to say that no just nation would want to foster such a ruinous spirit upon its people. Hi, I'm Manfred Patterson, President of Bahamas Christian Council. We are a godly nation who rely solely on the power of Almighty God. I ask you, the faithful Bahamians, to remember that we ought to put God first. On referendum day, let's vote no. Hi, I'm Lyle Bethel, senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I want to remind the faithful that the Word of God says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and some, eager for money, have pierced themselves through with many griefs. We've seen the reality of that become all too common in the Bahamas, and therefore, we the church, remind the faithful and encourage all of you to vote no on the gambling referendum. In the UK, there's no longer capital punishment. Life imprisonment is the maximum penalty allowed. The judge in this case mandated that there must be a minimum of 17 years served, which gives a measure of severity to the case. She cannot be released from prison for any reason under the minimum of 17 years. She will now have 17 years to ponder her cruel and intense punishment that claimed the life of her little boy, not even considering the pain that he must have suffered during his beatings. Seventeen years of grief will not be able to bring this boy back to life again. He's gone forever. Can you begin to imagine the pain that God felt as he watched as she beat her son into oblivion? I had a vision of the flood, the story in the Bible. God said that he saw the depravity and wickedness of the people of the earth, and he was sorry that he'd even made mankind. I imagine this to be similar kind of sadness. God on that occasion set a flood to eradicate the wickedness that he saw. In a similar way, perhaps, God will again judge the world in a still future day. The Bible is clear on this. With this in mind, the Apostle Paul wrote these sentiments in one of his letters. Knowing that we will all be judged, we try to persuade men and women to change their hearts and to know and to follow Christ. Let me ask you, listening friend, are you a follower of this Christ? Governments are always being told not to go this way. In fact, one of their own select committees back in 1974 strongly warned them, stating, since no productivity is involved in gambling, it fosters attitudes which are not truly consistent with the spirit of nation building. 1974, anyone know when that was? One year after independence. This is not consistent with the spirit of nation building. It helps to perpetrate 
the social state of those who are perpetuate, sorry, the social state of those who are in the already vicious cycle at the lower end of the socioeconomic pole. Hence, every effort should be made by the enforcement agencies of the Bahamas to stamp out that type of lottery known as a numbers racket that has taken root in our society. The preamble to our constitution is on our side. It is our mission statement. Please, wherever we are, whoever we're talking to, say that. Say that. It states that we believe, we believe that the preservation of our freedoms will be guaranteed by a national commitment to self-discipline, industry, loyalty, unity, and abiding respect for Christian values and the rule of law. There's no industry in gambling. There's no self-discipline in gambling. There's no loyalty in gambling. There's no unity in gambling. There's no abiding respect for Christian values. And certainly the rule of law is being flaunt flaunted right in our face. So there you see you have a perfect platform to launch your opposition because the Constitution itself in its preamble recognizes an abiding respect for Christian values because the Constitution is interpreted having regard to that preamble. It provides context for the interpretation of individual provisions. And so the preamble is not just fancy words. While you may technically say it, isn't a form, it is not a part of the Constitution, that is not to diminish its importance and its relevance to the construction of the individual provisions of the Constitution. Truth is on our side. Cloud and respect is on our side. The gambling lobby's greatest cry is, I want to gamble. That's selfishness. Our cry is that this is not good for the soul of the nation that we are sworn to protect. Unselfishness. We've got everything on our side. So when you say that the Bible says nothing about gambling, that's incorrect. Because the Bible does say a lot about greed, about avarice, isn't that right? And covetousness. So whenever you see in the Bible where it condemns either avarice, um, greed, or covetousness, you could put there, thou shalt not gamble. In other words, it is impossible to gamble and not sin. It is impossible to gamble and not sin. One cannot gamble without sinning. I'm going to pray for forgiveness that God would forgive us of our greed and our covetousness. I'm going to pray that God would forgive us of our lawlessness. I'm going to pray that God would forgive us for the lack of courage to do that which is right. And now with this message for today, here is our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning. I invite you to think with me today on three verses in the Word of God. Both are in the book of Proverbs, where it is quite proper to speak from one verse without ripping it from its context. The first is in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 10 and 11. I quote now, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. The next verse is Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. I quote again, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now, these verses has led me to entitle my message, Wanted, Nation Exalters. Are you one of them? Nation exalters. Are you one of them? Now, as most of you know, listening to my voice, 
Many, if not most Bahamians, proudly proclaim that the Bahamas is a Christian nation. But let me ask you, if this is so, then any thinking and honest person would also have to ask, why then is the country in the moral and spiritual condition it is in today? Why is such a known vice, for instance, as legalized gambling, posing such a problem as it is in a supposedly Christian nation? The following true example makes my point. A few years ago, a survey was made in the United States which found that more than 50% of Americans professed to be Christians. Those findings, however, came out at the same time other figures came out to show that crime had increased in almost every area and that the U.S. had fallen to its lowest state of morality in its entire history. Are we not paralleling them socially and morally speaking today? The conclusion, and a proper one in my opinion, that most of the major newspapers, news magazines, and TV news anchors came to was, if 50% of Americans were Christians, then their Christianity was making little, if any, impact upon the American society. My friends, I put it to you that the same can be said of the Bahamas. If it is as claimed that the Bahamas is a Christian country, what moral and spiritual impact are Christians really making upon Bahamian society? The high rate of crime, violence, and immorality in all areas and strata of our community would seem to indicate that the Christian influence is minimal, to say the least. It is said that one Bahamian social scientist researcher, after noting the denominations indicated on Fox Hill prison records by inmates, he commanded that one major denomination dominated the inmates in that facility, and he wryly remarked that if members of that one particular denomination would stop breaking the law, the prison population would be reduced by one-third. What a sad commentary on all church denominations and individual Christians in particular, at least those who profess to be Christians. And I cannot overemphasize the fact that not all who say they are Christians are in fact Christians. However, to apply this to the true Christian's response to the current issue of the gambling referendum, I would even go so far as to surmise, and is only a supposition, that if all professing Christians who presently play the numbers would vote no on January the 28th, the proposal would be soundly rejected. You see, my friends, I firmly believe that January the 28th, 2013, could well be a turning point for true Christians to radically change this adverse and negative perception of the church in the Bahamas. If every Christian citizen who is able to vote actually turn out to the polling stations in the constituency to vote no to what I consider to be one of the most immoral, oppressive, illegal, and arrogant actions a government could ever force upon its citizens in which to participate, and that is to utilize a citizen's most privileged and sacred opportunity and duty afforded them, that of voting, for what is an actual fact a rubber stamp for the legalization and decriminalization of an immoral activity that every sane, right-thinking person knows will morally corrupt this nation 
and potentially cause an assured mental and brain disorder to be inflicted upon hundreds, if not thousands, of our citizens, young and old, male or female, rich or poor, who will become addicted to this vice of gambling as sure as night follows day. That has been scientifically demonstrated to be a fact. Now, as I've stated elsewhere, this referendum is undoubtedly the greatest abuse of governmental and political power and abuse of responsibilities one can imagine. What a sad day for Bahamians that such a possibility would become a reality based upon the greed, avarice, and lust for ill-gotten wealth, both on the part of government and some of our citizens as well. But, and this is the point and thesis of my message this morning, based, I believe, solidly on the Word of God. Individual Christians can make a difference with reference to the morality of our nation if we act and live righteously because of the fact that we have been declared righteous through faith in the person and completed redemptive work of Jesus Christ. Remember, my friends, it is the righteous actions of the righteous that exalts a nation, not simply being righteous, but not acting or living righteously. That is why, by practical application of this biblical and theological truth, on January the 28th, we must not simply say we will vote no. We must actually go to the polling stations and vote no. Although not necessarily a biblical statement, it is nonetheless true that all that is needed for evil to flourish is for good men and women, especially Christians, to do nothing. Please listen carefully now. If you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, this is the biblical truth that it is the presence of Christians in the community acting as the salt of the earth that preserves and prevents our society from becoming completely corrupt. I would insist, however, that the Bible also demands that we both spread our salt a little bit more generously and rub it in a little, little bit more rigorously within our society. We cannot stay within the salt shaker of our church buildings. We must, as one author has stated, come out of the salt shaker to make an impact on our society. Beloved, we have a distinct opportunity and responsibility to do that tomorrow. Jesus says that Christians are the salt of the earth. What, therefore, is to be the nature of our impact and influence in the community? The answer is simple. It is that of preservation. We, therefore, are responsible. Yea, we are mandated by our Lord to preserve and to prevent the moral and spiritual decay and corruption of the society in which we live. So let me ask you, what would you think, by way of illustration, of a person who attempts to put out a fire with a water hose in one hand and a gasoline hose in the next. You would say he is foolish. Some would even say he's stupid. Let me ask you, though, aren't Christians doing the same thing when they withdraw from the society they are supposed to be preserving and refuse from participating in events or causes that help to be brought about? Or even worse, participating in the same vice they say they condemn. Of course they are. As Christians, our righteousness must be rubbed into every facet and arena of our society. Our views, our convictions, our values, and our standards must be seen and heard 
in government, in education, in social services, in management, in labor, and every other area of our social, civil, professional, and community life. We must be involved, I say, not only or necessarily as the organized church or institution, but in particular as individual Christians. That's how we become nation exalters, individual who impart righteousness into their society by their actions, by what they do. Remember this, my friends. Church organizations do not and cannot vote. Only individuals can do so. And when they do, the true church actually speaks. The true church, not a one-man-ruled organization or a man-made institution that can place its own welfare above that of God or his people when they choose to do so. We, I say, individual Christians are the salt of the earth. And Jesus says that if we do not preserve and provide the godly savor of our society by actively living a righteous life, then we ourselves will be trodden underfoot and ridiculed as hypocrites by the world, which, by the way, and sadly so, is already happening to some because of the unfortunate decision concerning this issue. From a purely biblical and spiritual perspective, therefore, the kind of individual needed to make the needed impact upon our morally sick society is the individual whose heart and life has been redeemed by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and who as a result of that now lives every aspect of his or her life in total obedience to the revealed will of God. In other words, to live righteously. Such will be the lifeblood that will give new vitality and wholeness to our community. The prophet Jeremiah sums up our needed response as individual when he says, and I quote, If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the alien, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in this land I gave your forefathers forever and ever. End of quote. So I submit to you then that turning to God by the individual Bahamian is the key to restoring wholeness to our nation and being able to say without fear of contradiction, it is in fact better in the Bahamas and the fact that God does live here. The key, though, is the individual who has been made righteous through faith in Christ, who then lives righteously before and toward his fellow men. This turning, this healing, can begin today with you and with me. So I ask you, will you be the kind of individual that makes a difference for God in our society? Will you turn first to Christ for salvation, then as a Christian, live righteously for him in society? That, my friend, is how we can make a difference for good in our community. Will you do it? Will you become a nation exalter by first receiving new life from Christ, then living that life out for him in our Bahamian society? With Christ living in and through you, you, you as an individual, can make a difference right now, today, and tomorrow especially. In closing then, applying these biblical truths to where the tie hits the road in our community, I ask you one simple question. Are you, as a professing Christian, ready and willing to rub your salt 
into the life of this decaying Bahamian society in 2013 and beyond? I remind you then of the word of God with which we began this message. The righteous must increase if the city is to be influenced by their righteousness. And righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to everyone. My friend, be a nation exalter. Come out of the salt shaker and vote no tomorrow. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. The great commander's promise, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. And our toiling will be happen in a moment Jesus Christ could come again I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound what a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again